turn there. I kind of get what some of you are going through. I went to a conference this past week, and um, they had us taking notes. And the whole time we were in there, I couldn't even read what I was trying to take notes to. <laughs> I mean, they kind of had it backwards. But thank goodness our sound people and our light people, they got it all together. Can you see your notes in front of you? All right. See, they've done a great job. All right. We do appreciate that. I also want to thank those of you who commented on my shirt this morning. <laughs> Thank you so much for liking it. There's someone in the room who I'm very, very close to who says, that is an ugly shirt. <laughs> and, and I just wanted to prove that, that there are those of you who really appreciate what I found on a clearance rack. <laughs> and, and so where's Tina? Tina? She would say, she would say when I got home that they just felt sorry for you. That, that's what she'll say. She'll say. So those of you who like the shirt, just raise your hand real quick. Yeah. Those, those who do not. Okay. We have a mixed audience here. Okay. All right. Royal invitation. Believe it or not, we've uh, scattered this study out quite far. We're in the 30th part of our study on Romans. This makes the 30th sermon on Romans that we've continued through. And for some of you who may think that I'm cheap and, and scared and all that, we are actually studying chapters 9, 10, 11 on Wednesday nights. So if you'd like to be a part of that, that's happening on Wednesday nights. But there's, it's just it's real deep. And, and it is very difficult to explain. And I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to be here on Wednesday night to hear that part. And that's where we are on Wednesday evenings. So last week, we looked at something called a spiritual calling. And, and we saw that in Romans 12, 1 and 2, which is probably, I quote those scriptures more than any other thing when it comes to sermons or just in my only daily living, just trying to understand what God is up to in my life and the calling he's placed on my life. And so let's look at Romans 12. Look at verse 1. This is what we had last week. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And then he says, which is your reasonable service. So basically, he is saying, based on the mercy that God has extended to us, our response should be that we present ourselves or offer ourselves to him, and that is our reasonable service. That's our, the rational response we should have to the mercy that he's extended to us. And then he says, he gets quite effective when he comes to the language in verse 2. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. He's basically saying, you're not going to get where you want to go. You're not going to uh, respond in a proper way if you go the way of the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that you may prove that your life can be what God desires it to be when you respond to his mercy, what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now, that is what we would call the spiritual calling that's placed on all of us. Some of you'd say, well, you've been called because you're a pastor. You're... No, we've all been called. We've all been called. And the reason I know that is because of the verses we're looking at today. He follows what he's just said with the verses we're looking at today. And that leads us to the idea of spiritual gifting. Spiritual gifting. And so I want you to look here on the screen. Look at this. Have you ever wondered what goes into making who you are? I want you to think of this, a shape that equips you for ministry. What determines who I am? What determines how God can use me? It's the way he made you. And so look here on the, on the screen. You see spiritual gifts. 
we're getting ready to see that everyone who knows Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, they've been given, they've been given spiritual gifts for his glory. Next, we see heart. That is your passion. That's your compassion, maybe. But it's definitely your passion. What are you passionate about? And let me just say this this morning. If you're not passionate about something, then there's probably something wrong in the first place. Because I believe God puts a spark of something in all of us. And I'm not talking about some new age mumbo jumbo. I'm talking about that spark, that something that he's made you passionate about. And then there's that idea we see abilities. Some of you have abilities. You couldn't quite classify them as spiritual gifts or talents, but you have certain abilities. All those things can go into to making who you are and how you can serve the Lord, those, those abilities. And today we talked about school teachers and administrators. And then there's also your personality. All of us have different personalities. There's some of you who love to come into a room and sit around other people and think, man, this is a great place to be. There's other of you, others of you who are just, you know, as soon as I can get out away from all these people, I'll feel much better about myself. <laughs> we, we have all shapes and sizes of who we are, and God can use it all. And then we have something that no one else probably has as it relates to us distinctly, and that is our experiences. Is that good? Yeah, our experiences. Our experiences tell us a lot about what we're capable of achieving. Now, I've told you this many times. If you heard me, even, either in a counseling situation, whatever it may be, I believe your experiences are the greatest platform for your ministry. The experiences I have had in my lifetime have been those things in which I can reach into people's lives and, and say, here's how this happened for me. This is how I wish I'd have handled it. This is how I did handle it. This is what should have happened. This is what I know now that God desires in that situation. And so many of these things go into making us who we are. So if you're sitting here today and say, well, I really don't have a ministry. Yes, you do. Based on how God has made you, he's given you a ministry. I want to go back to school teachers. I remember when I was 12 years old. My parents divorced. Very difficult time in my life. I, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. I had all the emotions that come with, with what a, a divorce could come with. And, and, and it was kind of interesting. As I was sitting there and we were praying over these teachers, I remembered my sixth grade teacher. She was a lady. Who, she, she was one of them ladies who like give those big hugs. And when they hug you, you can't really see who they're hugging. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, just wonderful hug. <laughs> and she would do that. And, and for some reason, she took me under her wing that year. I don't know if she read my file. I don't know what it was. But somehow, she targeted me. I was getting attention that I didn't know, that I didn't see the other, ones, other uh, in the class were getting. Now, it wasn't because I was a troublemaker. I had not grown into that yet. I wasn't at sixth grade. And, and so it wasn't that. But she would encourage me over and over again. She would encourage me and help me. And, and teachers, you have no idea. You have no idea who you're investing in sometimes. Some of you, you do. Maybe you have a ministry. Maybe, maybe you're like my sixth grade teacher and you've pinpointed that one child that you're, you're really, you believe God has led you to, to, to pour yourself into that kid and encourage that kid. Maybe it's the, the big troublemaker in your class. So don't write them off yet. Get in there. Teach them the love of Christ. 
And many times you just don't understand. I tell people all the time that teachers have the greatest platform of ministry to any of us. Because you get to put that much time in the lives of these students. So we see that we all have been given ministries. Teachers, pastors, doesn't matter what you do. You have abilities, you have talents. So look at the introduction. The spiritual gifts listed in Romans 12 are classified as motivational gifts. God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, has given every Christian at least one of seven motivational gifts to carry out the work of the ministry. So if you were to say, okay, when you say ministry, what context are you talking about? Well, I could describe it to you in the context of a church. That's the way it's described many times in Scripture. How we are the body and we come together and we use our gifts to to expand the body, to equip those around us to do that. But guess what? You individually have a ministry outside this body. We have ministry. We've been given these things. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So based on everything I've just shared with you, here's what I want you. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them. I want you to say, you are a gifted person. Go ahead, real quick. Tell them. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. You've you've said enough. (laughs) We are. When you look in God's Word, we're gifted. Some of you may not think that. Some of you may be sitting here today thinking, what do I really have to offer? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, based on the authority of God's Word, His Holy Spirit has given you gifts. Gifts to meet the needs of others. So what are the spiritual gifts? Look here on the screen. They are the expressions of God's grace working through each believer unto others within the body of Christ. So in the context of the church, you're given certain gifts. The Bible calls them grace gifts, basically. And they've been given to you to operate within the body or to operate in your own personal ministries. Now, there are three lists of spiritual gifts. You may want to write these down, but there's several lists in the scriptures. There are those listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are some listed in Ephesians chapter 4. And then there are those that we're looking at today in Romans chapter 12. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you can say... That you know what your spiritual gift is. Don't raise your hand, but I want you to think about it. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Okay. Some of you would say, yeah, pretty sure I know what that is. Okay. Here's another question. Don't raise your hand. How many of you can say that you are using your spiritual gift? That's a different question, isn't it? It's one thing to know your spiritual gift. It's another thing to, are you using your spiritual gift? And to me, that's the key. If you're sitting here unfulfilled today in your life... If you were to say, when I look at my life, I see, I see unfulfillment. Can I encourage you to look to this place first when it comes to using what God has gifted you with? If you say, yeah, I, I feel so unfulfilled in my life right now. I, I just, I mean, it, it just seems like, a, a, you know, I, I just don't know where, how to get out of this. Let me encourage you to start with what you've been given. You've been given certain gifts. You've been given certain abilities. And basically, what that tells me, what God has given me, listen, the greatest fulfillment that I could ever have is to use those gifts that he's given me. That's what he's given them to you for. And that's where your greatest fulfillment will come from. But so many people, I think they miss it. So look on your outline. Why do you not know? Why do, why do we not know our spiritual gift or gifts? 
Number one, maybe we've never been saved. Maybe we've never understood in the context of who God is, the special abilities, the special talents, the, spe uh, the, the special gifts God has given us. Maybe we've never seen it in that context because we never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ where he is the head and now you've been placed into the body, which is the church. You see, that's where the Holy Spirit begins to work. As soon as you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I believe the Holy Spirit comes bringing gifts, making you aware of how you can serve God and be the person he's called you to be and how you can respond to his great mercy. Next, maybe you've never been taught. Maybe you've never been taught. There's a lot of people that I'm convinced that they don't know their spiritual gifts because they've, they, they've really never thought that they had anything to offer and, and maybe they've never been taught that. I think it's important that we understand how, not only how God made us, but how did he gift us? And we have sheets back there at the eye desk that you can take and maybe learn your gift. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. Maybe we're just confused. Maybe we're confused. You know, you know it's amazing. The Christian life, it's amazing how complicated we make it. It's amazing how complex we make it. It's really not that complex. Now, some of the theology may be, as we're finding out on Wednesday night, <laughs> some of the theology may be difficult and complex, but actually living the life God called us to live should be one of the most natural things that we do. It should be just like taking in air. When we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we begin to live for him. We surrender our lives. We live in obedience. I'm, I'm not talking about selling all we have and go living on the top of a mountain. And <laughs> I'm talking about just living in life. Being a school teacher and understanding the purpose behind what a greater calling that God may have for you than just teaching math. Be, being someone who's a, maybe a mechanic or whatever God's led you to do and the special abilities he's given you. What are ways that you can take those gifts and say, yeah, I'm going to do this as unto God because he gave me the gifting. He gave me the ability. He gave me the talent. Here's another reason we don't know our spiritual gifts. We're not actively involved. As a layperson, this is where Tina and I do agree this morning. But as lay people in our church before we came here, and even when we were here, we sought to serve the Lord before they paid me to do it. Because <laughs> we knew it was important. We went to the leadership of the, of the church we were at uh, before we came here, and we said, okay, and some of you heard our story. We said, we said, okay, where do you need help? They said, sixth grade boys. How come it's always fifth and sixth grade boys? <laughs> so we go in there and there's like 20 some of them sitting in there. We didn't know what to do with them. We were lost. <laughs> but, but anyway, we, we just knew we were supposed to serve. But God's calling us. He's called us to a greater accountability. He's called us to serve him in a way to, that builds the body. And so we went in there and for a solid year, one of the hardest years of my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we did it. Then the pastor had heard that we were looking to go into ministry and how I believed God was calling me to be a pastor. He comes up to me on a Tuesday night. We had visitation. That was back then when people let you actually come to their front door. I don't know that we live in that society anymore, but we'd knock on door or whatever. But on that Tuesday night, we were all gathering back. He said, by the way, I understand you. God's called you to be a pastor. I want you to teach tomorrow night on Wednesday night. Now, that, back then, that's when churches had what? Full services. And at that church, a lot of people showed up. 
And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, do what? <laughs> I get up there. And for 12 minutes, I did a little crying. Did a lot of thanking God. I still got a cassette of the tape that I preached. It is the most pitiful thing. It would have been agonizing for you to sit there and listen to what I brought that night. And I walked away thinking, there's absolutely no way God's called me to this. Some of you are sitting here right now having to struggle with it and thinking the same thing. <laughs> but I had no idea. I was shaking like a leaf. I almost passed out. I really did. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was the, the roughest hour of my, well, 12 minutes of my life. <laughs> Some of you are sitting here thinking, well, why aren't we getting back to the 12 minutes? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but let me just say this, y'all. There was a process God was doing to develop me. He was. When I look at it now and I see what he's able to do through my life, standing right here in front of you without me passing out, is me truly looking at him and saying, only he could have pulled this off. I understand why public speaking is a greater fear than death. I get it. <laughs> but let me just say this. It's that development. You know what I enjoyed about last week or two weeks ago when, or two weeks ago when these students were on this platform? You know what I enjoyed more about that, the most about that, was the fact that those, especially those who came up and spoke and those who were on the mic leading in worship and those using their spiritual gifts, you know what they were doing? They were testing the waters. They were seeing, where do I fit in when it comes to serving in the body? And, and, and listen, I believe all four of those that stood up here and, and spoke that morning could definitely see them as a teacher, an exhorter, or whatever. But it's all about just getting in there, putting yourself in a position to serve and determining and learning what God has called you to. Sometimes it's just trial and error. Sometimes it's a deep development that he wants to do where you're just trusting him. And I'll tell you to this day, some of you know this because you've talked to me personally to this day. It's still an act of God for me to get up here each Sunday. I still struggle on Saturday nights and sometimes can't sleep and think, wow, <laughs> he's called me to get up there and do that again. And it's part of it. God wants to do things in and through our lives. He wants to use us. Next, why do we have spiritual gifts? Number one, to glorify God. To glorify him. Next, to minister to others. To bless and encourage others. How do we know this? Look at Romans 12. Look at verse 3. He says, for, he says, for I say, now this is following up 1 and 2. He says, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, how many of you would say that's a good word for today? It's a great word for today, isn't it? But can I tell you what this is in the context I want you to listen to it. This is what it says. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know what that literally means? Listen, to not think that your life is only about you. That's literally in the context what that means. That when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it was, your life became about him. It became about what he desired to do in and through your life. And the greatest fulfillment and greatest satisfaction you'll ever have in your life is when you're doing that. When you're doing what you were created for, when you do what you were saved for, that's where that fulfillment will come. That's where that satisfaction will come. He goes on. He says, not to think more highly of yourself, not to make your life all about yourself, but to think soberly in humility, to look around as God has dwelt to each one a measure of faith. 
The word a measure of faith can mean a demonstration of faith. It's given based on what is best for both the individual and those around us and the church. That measure of faith, that demonstration of faith is when I use my gifts to serve him, to to glorify him, to honor him, to to encourage others. Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, many members in one body, but all the members don't have all the same function. Let me just say this. I thank God. For the administrators, and we're going to see what they are all about, and the servers in our church. I mean, they get in there, very practically minded, most of them. They understand what it takes to get things done. They're there willing to step in. I thank God for them. And then you have the rest that that fit in right around that. And there's so many different things that we can offer. And And it's not the same thing. If we all had the same gift represented here, we wouldn't need each other. But we do need each other. We need all the gifts operating. He goes on, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of what? One another. How do you get there to the point where you're there for one another? By not just thinking about yourself. By thinking about those around you and how the church can be what it needs to be and how the vision can be carried out, what he's given us, and how you personally can be involved in ministry. So here we are. What are the seven motivational spiritual gifts? Here they go. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing, he's getting ready to list them, according to the grace, according to the gift that is given to us, let us use them. In prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, the whole idea of prophecy is the, the prophets around us. And we'll talk about what that means in just a moment. Verse 7, or ministry. These would be the servants. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. He's basically saying, use the gift. Use the gift I've given you. Bring glory to my name. Encourage others. Bless others with it. And by the way, when you do it, do it with great honor, great great cheer. Do it as unto the Lord. Our spiritual gifts many times runs with our personality. Therefore, our spiritual gift many times determines how we view and respond to things. Did you know that when each of us use our spiritual gifts, that there are times we could irritate each other? By responding to the exact same thing. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. That's the reason when we're all individuals different. How many of you realize that our shape is different? We have different experiences. We have different abilities. We have different talents. We have different spiritual gifts. That when we come to the same, same thing that needs to be done. Sometimes we can rub each other wrong. Because we come at it differently. Now who's wrong? There's a good chance everybody's right. It's just many times we have to look at the views. We have to look at it in different ways. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But what are we looking at? First of all, there's the prophet. Look on your outline, the prophet. These people discerns and proclaims truth along with justice. These are big justice people. These are people who are highly discerning. Now, when they get in the flesh, they still think sometimes they're discerning and sometimes they can be way off. Okay, (laughs) 
But in the spirit, man, these people are very discerning. And if you, if you have a prophet around you and they start discerning something, you may want to, you may want to listen. Uh, because they can. They can bring something very important to the table to not, that's not clearly seen by most people. Here's another one. They have, many of them have no gray areas. Everything's black and white. Everything, it's either right or wrong. How many of you know people like that? Don't look at each other. Don't point. Servant meets the needs of others. You say, that's pretty generic. Well, they're pretty generic in and of themselves. They just love to meet needs. Listen, if they saw something in the floor over here, they probably would have bent down and picked it up. Or if they just saw a need, if they'd attempt to meet it. It's just the kind of person they are. And many times what they're doing is very, very practical. Sometimes they sit there and say, well, I wonder if there's really any spiritual depth to me. I'm just a servant. No, you're a great need when it comes to the body. Here's another one. Teacher. A teacher researches and communicates truth. They love to take complicated themes and attempt to make them simple. Here's what they're thinking right now. <laughs> I got some friends out here right now. And I know they're teachers and here's how they think. You never go deep enough. You just, you just seem to skim over the top of everything. If you'll get a little deeper, and Doug will come to me sometimes and say, have you ever thought of this? I know what he's thinking. You could have gone deeper. Chuck will do that to me. Jim Bar, I mean, you, you teachers, you make me sick. No, I'm just kidding. But You don't, you don't, because it helps me. Sometimes if you catch me after this service, I'll share it in the next service. <laughs> Only because I didn't think of that. But they never think you go deep enough. Everything they come across would be great to share with others. I know you're sick of grandchildren's stories, but I've already identified the teacher of my four grandchildren. I know which one it is. I'm not going to tell you because y'all ain't going to put that kind of pressure on him. But, but, but I know who it is. And it's really cool to see them so young, to see the gifting that you think God's given them. How about the exhorter? encourages others to live a victorious life. They just want others to, to enjoy all that God has for them. They encourage the downtrodden. They, they are extremely positive. They desire to stimulate faith and promote growth. They're, they're cheerleaders. Then there's the giver. Gives freely of their time and resources. Gives to benefit others and expand the ministry. And by the way, let me tell you this. Some of the greatest givers I've met are not necessarily wealthy people. Don't rule yourself out. You may be sitting here thinking, well, I, I, I think I have the gift of, 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 of giving, but I don't have a lot to give. Oh, yeah, you do. Look close. Some of you, I'm just going to be honest with you, I do some ministering around here, and I come in behind where you've been, and some of you give cards, give cards of exhortation. You just give. You just give of yourself. And I follow that. And they tell me how much it means to them. Doesn't take a lot to do that, but they're givers. There's administrators. They organize people and programs. They're persons who plan ahead and complete a task. A lot of the great successes we've enjoyed here as a church is becoming what we believe God's calling us to become is because we've had great administrative leadership here. Now, many of them can be bossy. You know that, right? I've identified one of my grandchildren as this also. <laughs> I know exactly which one's the administrator. 
Some of y'all know. And, and you see how important it is that God has gifted people in certain ways. The gift of mercy helps carry others' burdens. Don't, wouldn't it be cool if you could just surround yourself with exhorters, givers, and merci the merciful? You'd, you'd probably have the wrong opinion of yourself. Because <laughs> they want to encourage you. They want to be merciful. They want to give. I mean, it'd be cool. But you still need the others around you, too, to have a correct perspective. And we as a church need that. Um, we all need that. But people who are merciful, they have a compassionate, they're compassionate people. They know how to care for people, has a tender compassion. Uh, they're tempted, however, now here's where they can be messed up. They're tempted to stand between God and correction in a person's life. Can you see that? A person who's very merciful. Now I will tell you this. A lot of times people who have a gift of mercy are very discerning. And a lot of times their discernment comes from experience. Because they've been merciful. And they've just, it's just natural for them to be merciful. And then all of a sudden they start noticing things that are being taken advantage of them. And if they're not careful, they can become easily bittered. Embittered. And so what they have to do is they have to be discerning along with being merciful because sometimes they'll step in the way of God trying to bring correction into a person's life. You ever been there? And that, that can be tough. But they attempt to remove stress and share burdens. So I've done this before. Some of you have heard it. What would happen if each of these visited you in the hospital? Have you ever wondered that? Can you, I want to show you the importance. The servant. What would they say? I brought in your mail. I fed your dog. I watered your plants. Is there anything else I can do? Can you see that in the servant? Yeah, you know the people in your life who fit that. How about the teacher? Did a little research on your illness. Went to WebMD. I know just enough to be dangerous. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that doctor ain't telling you the whole story, you know. <laughs> But, but they would. They would come out as a teacher and try to help you and try to hear the symptoms and, and, and that kind of thing. They want to study this stuff. The merciful. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? I can't tell you how bad I felt when I heard you were sick. Bless your heart. If I could take the pain away, you know I would. Matter of fact, people who are merciful, they always start a lot of sentences with bless your heart. It's normally in there somewhere. So. No, nah, the prophet does that too. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be, never mind, I'll move on. Uh, the giver, the giver. Do you have any insurance? Any insurance? You think this will cover? Is there any way I can help you? Don't you love it when they show up? <laughs> the administrator, don't worry about a thing. I've assigned people to handle your responsibilities while you're away. The encourager, again, a bless your heart person. You look great in that hospital gown. <laughs> How can we learn what you are dealing with here to help others in the future? The prophet. Let me say this about the prophet. And I've had a lot of feedback when I preach sermons like this. Some of y'all come after me and say, why are you so hard on me? <laughs> I, want, I want to share the value of the prophet here this morning. Okay? The prophet may say, what do you think God's up to with this? Now, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. It doesn't mean you're being judged. It doesn't mean you're being, you're being chastised. It's just, let's take a deeper look. There may be something else here. You wait. God's going to do something with this. 
People who have the gift of a prophet are very, very discerning. Very discerning. They can uncover things, as I said before, that most people can't see. How many people, how many of you know one of these? You know one of these. Let me just say this. I have a wife who's this. And it took years to appreciate what I had. That's supposed to be funny. Is it funny? Anyway. But it did. I, it took me years. And I know some of you have wives who speak into it. And, 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 and it does. And it takes years to understand, especially men who are pig-headed. And <laughs> but we need all these gifts. So how do these make up the body? First of all, this is on your outline. The prophet are the eyes. As I said, they can, in the church, they can be leadership, teacher, counselor, works with marriages, committee work. They're good at all that. The servant, they're the hands. Good at leadership, being a deacon, serves food, takes food, greets, fills in where is needed. Preschool ministry, child children's ministry, back there in the sound booth. These are people who just, just want to serve. Tell me where you need it. We want to ease the tension. We want it to be right. The teacher, they're the mind. They're good at leadership, teaching, counseling, pastors. The exhorter, the mouth. They're a great greeter, counselor, motivator. They're the one that you want to come and bring the testimony. They're, they're many times a worship leader. The giver, they're the arms. They give to the needs, gives time and resources. The administrator, they're the legs. The leadership, the committee work, the deacon, they, they lead servers. They pull it all together. And then there's the mercy, the merciful, the heart. Great at visitation, counseling. But don't let them near the money. They'll give it all away. <laughs> because they see a need. They want to ease the burden. That's their driving force. And the thing we need to realize, can you see how all these are necessary to make up the body? Can you see that? Can you see how all this is necessary? It is necessary. And it's and many times necessary in the home. So look on your outline. How can we learn about our spiritual gifts? How, if you're sitting here today and say, I don't, know, I don't know my spiritual gift. Number one, by breaking sin's power. Now let me just say this about some of us in this room. Maybe you're all bound up in sin. Maybe there's something in your life that's keeping you from seeing all that God has the potential to do in your life. And for some of you, maybe you don't know him yet. Maybe you've never entered into a relationship with him yet. The Holy Spirit, we understand, is responsible for showing us our gifts and, using, and showing us where to use our gifts. But maybe you're a Christian, you're here today, and you remember a time in your life where you, your gifts, I mean, you were on fire. You had a passion there was something about that gift that inspired you, that, that gave you a passion to, to reach out. Maybe it's not there anymore. What, what's going on? What, what kind of deception's going on? Number two, by walking in the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are a work of the Holy Spirit. If you're walking in the flesh, that same gift can become very dangerous. Do you see how I can, how I can say that? That very same gift can become very dangerous. It's our responsibility to walk in the Spirit. How about this? How can we learn about our spiritual gifts? By focusing on others. Spiritual gifts are not all about us. Some of you who have the gift of administration, I'll use that. You do wonderful things in the workplace. 
You're there. You're making a lot of people a lot of money. And you're, you're using that gift in a way to also help provide for your family. And that's a good thing. But guess what? It doesn't need to stop there. How can that be used in the body? Same as teaching and all these other things. How about this? How can we learn about spiritual gifts? By discerning your motives. Look deep into your motives. Is all your life, listen, about personal gain? Or, is it, or, is, or do you realize that we're interdependent of one another? We need one another. How about this? How can you learn about your spiritual gift? By examining your irritations. Sometimes the things that irritate you can lead you to what your spiritual gift is. You say, well, how does that work? <laughs> Let's go back to the hospital example. If you go in there, and I'm not picking on these two groups, but I guarantee there's a lot of these two in this room. And let's just say that the person with mercy and the prophet are in the room with this person. Let's just say the prophet takes the lead in the conversation. And they're looking, to, they're trying to help that person be discerning as to what's really going on here. You, you understand? Is that a necessary conversation sometimes? Yes. Is it politically correct many times? No. <laughs> it's still necessary. Someone needs to pull the discernment. Someone needs to roll back the curtain and say, what are we dealing with here? What's truly happening here? What's happening here? Let's suppose the merciful sitting there. They're not too impressed with the prophet, by the way. Only thing they want to do is they don't want to enter, they don't want to enter burdens into this. They don't want, they want to come in there and just love on that person, encourage that person. Now, which one's needed and which one is not needed? Both are needed. Both are needed. There are times, listen, there's been times in my life where I needed a prophet to sit me down and talk to me straight. I needed that. How many of you needed that in your life? You needed someone to shoot you straight. That's what a prophet does. There are times I needed to be loved on. There's times I needed that note of encouragement to say, you know something, I understand what you're going through. I, I've been there. I, I, you need that. Let God orchestrate that in each of our lives. Here's another one. By discovering your characteristics. Each gift has its own characteristics. Uh, how many of you have heard of personality tests that you can take? Myers-Briggs and all that. A lot of companies do that. A lot of schools do that. Um, some, <laughs> some say that they're credible. Some say, argue that they're not. I think there's a lot to it myself. I think they nail me all the time. But those are not bad things to take, to understand a little bit about you. They're not intended for you to take for you to say, well, that's just not who I am. You ever heard someone say that? You ever, you know, they take the personality test. Well, you're acting me to act outside my nature. We're all called to exile that I live outside our nature. But sometimes we need to be aware of where we're coming from so we can shoot down what needs to be shot down and lift up what needs to be lifted up to become what God can use in the lives of other people. So what are the gifts? What are the goals of the gifts? Turn quickly to Ephesians 4. We're done with Romans 12. Ephesians 4. Why have we been given these things? What is the purpose, especially in the context of the church? Ephesians 4, verse 11. This is one of the lists. It says, And God himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And why did he give these gifts? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ, to build something up till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. He's building us up. He's building us into some foundation. He's built the foundation. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the work of what Christ has done on the cross. We've learned that that's the foundation. But what is a foundation there for? It is to build something upon it in which we are building the church for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, that we come into unity. There's a, there, I believe this is kind of some of the vision of what God's called us to and the knowledge of the Son of God. What's the goal? To be a perfect man. Of course, most translations would say a mature man or person. To the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? That means what is being built there is evident that Christ is being seen through what's being built. Okay? Do you get that? That when people look at our church, they say, boy, the message of Christ is there. The love of Christ is there. That's, that's what it's talking about. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Let me just tell you this about verse 14. You may take offense to this, but I believe it's true. Most Christians are living verse 14 because they don't know the word. They don't, they, don't, they don't take seriously studying the word of God. They'll believe anything that comes by that sounds good. If it's said over here, if it's said over there, anything that sounds good or anything that they want to rationalize in their life, they're willing to take it in to make them feel better. We've been called to be a place that children grow up. And I'm talking about adults. We're children who are children in the faith. They grow up. They know what the messages of the world are. And they know what the message of Christ is. And they can be discerning enough to tell which one is which. To the point that, that they're not tricked any longer. They're not carried by this and carried by that. They're people of conviction who stand with the word of God. And they're not out there getting the script from the world. Saying what they should be politically correct in. And all those different things. That they are what God's called them to be. He says that's the kind of people we need to be building. But speaking. How do we get there? Speaking the truth in love. And, grow, and may, uh, may grow up unto all th into all things into him who is head, who is Christ. And from the whole body, we're joint knit together by every joint supplies. According to the effective working. That means something that's effective. Something that has an impact. By which every part. You want to help me with this next part? Does it share? Does it share? Causes growth of the body. For the edifying of itself in love. Here's the application. It is impossible for a Christian to live a fulfilling, victorious life apart from using their spiritual gift. It's not going to happen. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, I feel so empty inside. I feel like my life's not counting for a whole lot. Or, I mean, I feel so unfulfilled. This is a great place to start. Start with how the creator made you and how God saved you to minister, to encourage, to bless others, and to glorify himself. That will be where your fulfillment will come from. The greatest fulfillment. And the world can't copy this. It can't. It comes from him.
I want to ask you, if you will, to stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads. Father, we just come to you now, and Lord, I look around this room, and I see so many gifts. I, I, I just, just looking at faces, I see individuals, I see who they are, but Lord, I also see the gifts that you've given them to, to make this church become what I think you desire it to become. And then there's some in this room, I look around and, and, I, and I see the faces of those, maybe at one time in their life, they, they were that person. They were fulfilled in what you called them to. And there was a, a great joy and passion that they had to serve. And Father, there's those in this room that look at their faces and, and I don't know where they are. I, I don't know their spiritual gift. I've, I've never seen it in action. Father, help us all to take responsibility for what you've bestowed upon us. And that is salvation. And that is gifts. And that is the calling that you placed on our lives. And Father, if there's someone in this room that, Lord, maybe they've never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. And part of what I'm talking about here today, why in some ways it makes sense. It just, to them, maybe it seems so out of touch for them. Maybe that's because they've never placed their faith in you. Father, I pray that you'll bring them today. Father, for that Christian, Lord, that's here in this room and they want that fulfillment, they want that joy. Lord, they want to be used by you. Father, I just pray that maybe through some of this sermon here today, you lit something under them, a passion to serve. Father, we thank you for what you desire to do, not only in our individual lives, but what you desire to do through this body where you are the head and we are the body and we are a body that's efficient. We are a body that is building up. We are a body that is attempting to, to do what we've been called to do. Help us to join one another in that cause. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We're getting ready to sing a hymn.